This podcast is recorded on the ancestral lands of the Tongva people. Welcome to the Create Well podcast, where we explore the intersections of creativity, wellness, and entrepreneurship. I'm Erica Elon. I'm a piano player. Okay. A fan of wearing matching sets. <laughs> right now I'm wearing Girlfriend Collective. Shout out. It's going really well. And um, I'm a painter. And you can find my work on IG at, at Erica Elon. I'm Ray Saragosa, dog mom, singer, songwriter, children's music composer, plant mom in the making, I'm going to say. And um, you can find my work on IG at at Ray Saragosa. And today we will be talking about safety and boundaries with the amazing executive director of Calling All Crows, Kim Warnick. They said if I want to make it, gotta starve and stress and sell. But if I'm gonna be an artist, well, I want to create well. Yeah, you gotta create well. Episode 15. 15, the third episode of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the holidays are like coming up. They're real close. How do you feel? I feel good. I'm really excited about some of the gifts this year that yeah. I've been able to get people. It's so fun. It's fun. It's fun to be able to like invest in your friends. So. Yeah. And it's like just like kind of pass it around. For real. You know, like, that's how it feels like. I'm like, I'm going to like, you know, because my oh shout out. Here we go. Here we go. Uh-huh. My best friend Kalina Jasper just started doing Reiki. I saw that. And so she's doing distance Reiki right now during COVID. Yeah. And Kalina is incredibly gifted, one of the most intuitive people mm. in my life, and has done so much for me with Reiki. Um, when I w- we were in a car accident together, and literally with Reiki, she like helped us both like energetically heal from it. Um, and her distance Reiki is really amazing. So I'm like, no spoilers, but gonna get sessions for a lot of my Cute. friends, and it's cool because I'm like I'm just like passing around, like yep. just like sharing, sharing, mm-hmm. sharing, which is kind of amazing with the holidays and not just like give money to like target and right. and all of these major corporations who don't need our money let's yep. pass it around to small businesses and indigenous owned businesses and black owned businesses yep. and and folks that i think i don't know that i think would really be a better place to put our money this yes. year yes if you haven't seen our gift guide yet go look gift at it guide. because it was fun to put together and we're definitely buying some people gifts from those small businesses yeah so. erica put in like four hours on that thing so <laughs> you better look at it everyone <laughs> i just i love oh whatever we could talk about small business forever it's so exciting yeah yay it's gifts so exciting from people we love yay so yes yay gifts um i'm super stoked about what you and kim talked about this yay. week for so many reasons, because it's mm-hmm. applicable. You you both talk specifically about the music industry, mm-hmm. but there were so many things when I was listening and I was like, well, this is vastly applicable in my everyday life, walking down the street mm-hmm. or encountering, you know, a situation mm-hmm. at a gas station or whatever yeah. it might be. Um, and then obviously within the art world, yeah. too. Um, but I think it's so funny. We keep joking about what we're talking about this week, which is boundaries. Mm-hmm. And how, like, what are boundaries? We, like, we don't have boundaries. We're, like, very boundaryless people. Yeah. I had somebody once tell me I had really good boundaries, and it has thrown me off to this day. <laughs> You're like, who am because I? Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know myself. Do I? I, I have no idea. But I feel yeah. like I have no boundaries. I feel like my yeah. life is a permeated mess. But yeah, here I am. Let's, like, unpack this for a second. Because... <laughs> Like, okay, so let's talk about what a boundary is. Yes. Like, a boundary is, like, a actual, like, energetic barrier for, like, mm. what you will or will not be okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a huge generalization that artists have no boundaries. Yeah. Because we are just these freeform, like, messes that paint with broad strokes. Yeah that are not to be trusted and <laughs> make mistakes and just are like flying by the seat of our pants. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know because I always have said that I feel like I don't have many boundaries and it's taken me a lot of time to create boundaries. I also mm. like grew up in a apartment with no walls. Right. Like I grew up 
you in actually a studio apartment with like no boundaries <laughs> and my family is like kind of codependent mm. in a way that's like very boundaryless mm. and so i think yeah. my in- my my boundaries come from anxiety Okay. particularly social anxiety interesting like when i have a boundary it's not necessarily coming from a great place it's not like an intentional mm. this is like where i have to say no to something or yeah. this is where i'm i don't have like the capacity to communicate about a certain thing it's like mm. i have run myself into the ground and i know <laughs> so maybe like you know where your boundary is oh. but you like consciously cross it from yeah. time to time yeah so that's interesting because I think the difference yeah. between us is sometimes I don't know where my boundary is mm. and I've had to really figure out where it is mm-hmm. because sometimes my instincts will be like, oh, like this is okay. Like I'm in a situation and like not saying like in a dangerous situation, but right. maybe like agreeing to do more things with music than I really want to and like not creating right. that boundary of saying no. Right. Um, but that's interesting. So maybe, you know, folks listening that's something to like kind of like reflect on it's like yeah. do you know where your boundary is mm-hmm. and do you consciously cross it or are right. you trying to figure out where that is and because it, it's so necessary to actually be thinking about this because if we don't i think practice some form of boundary making in our everyday life that's when situations do become unsafe mm-hmm. and you and kim get into that some yeah. with, with talking about sexual violence mm-hmm. in the music industry and what it means to be also a woman artist uh, right yeah yeah <laughs> in, yeah in a world that the art world in general does not have boundaries right you know if i go work with this gallery or go down to Basel for this thing Mm -hmm. or whatever like people's motives are very unknown there's Mm -hmm. no HR department that they're answering to for how they're treating you or why they're bringing you into their circle or why they want to work with you in general so having your routes and your own understanding of your autonomy and safety Mm -hmm. is significantly important at some point for your safety yeah and maybe having you know we talk about this with kim but having like a protocol or having like a mission statement of what you are and are not okay with a lot of artists have riders you know Hmm. that they give to venues and saying like here this is what i am and i'm not okay with like even if it's like that's cool i must have a private dressing room with a door i do not you know what i mean like those things are not guarantees so Mm. if you put that on a rider that's like a way of ensuring your safety it, it in whatever you know right to a certain point but i think that even if you're not a touring artist or you know it, having your own kind of like mental rider right of what you want yeah is really important yeah you know having Absolutely. like a protocol yeah and i think it it keeps you out of dealing with the more higher risk situations yeah. too yeah um i know when we were processing this topic some it's like when a gallery reaches out to me or really when anyone, if if you were going to get hired for a job, Mm -hmm. you would do some research on that company. And if they had an online presence or whatever, where people wrote reviews of working for them, you would read what they said. So I learned early on in my career that if somebody reaches out to me to work with me, I'm going to talk to some artists that have worked with them before, particularly other women um, when it comes to issues of sexual violence, et cetera. Um, but you know, do some research, uh, about the people that you're, you know, entering into community with entering into contracts with doing jobs with, um, absolutely. It'll save a lot of pain to, Mm -hmm. uh, at the minimum. (laughs) Yeah. Cause even if it's not, you know, like in the terms of a sexually violent situation, Mm -hmm. but also just a dangerous situation in terms of your ownership or your rights or anything like that. I mean, I've been in situations where people have tried to take, who have like been, it's been like a very shady situation of like, you know, when I was younger, um, being in situations like with collaborators who like tried to like come after me for like, and basically take the song away mm-hmm. and they were not trustworthy. Yeah. And so like maybe to do more due diligence on that person before agreeing to work with them. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, those musicians uh, listening. Um, I mean, this is kind of like a COVID <laughs> doesn't really exist right now, yeah. but co-writing sessions are incredibly intimate. And mm. um, a lot of times 
you will be co-writing with someone that you've never met. It's like a total like blind date kind of situation. Yeah. And as a, a young woman or a young person and you're writing with like more seasoned writers, it's there, there's a weird power dynamic where it's yeah. like they're older, you're younger. Yep. A lot of times you're in their space. Mm-hmm. You know, like the amount of times I've like shown up in a studio mm. alone to like have this like intimate songwriting session with a stranger who is Dang. twice my age yeah. and of the opposite sex sometimes. Um, I'm glad that I've always, in most of these situations I've had, either someone referred me or my managers like knew the person or like they did some due diligence. But I know the situations in which that has gone very, very in a, in, gone in a dangerous way. Yeah. And so I, I think that it's really important that we all are holding or helping each other. And yes. we're, you know, I, I love when people reach out to me like, Hey, have you worked with this person? Mm-hmm. And what do you think? And yeah, that is a way of safety. It's also a really great way of like creating boundary protocol in your in your work in absolutely your business yep protects mm-hmm. you on so many levels even yeah. i know a lot of small business owners listen to us when you're working with a new shop a new wholesaler all those kind of things yeah. you do some research reach out um more than likely the artists around you will have some feedback yeah. of, of good boundaries with each place yeah. each person and i think when, when me and you we talk about like not having that many boundaries it's because i think we both like want to see the best in people. We want yeah. to like, jump on the opportunity and we want to like seize the moment and like go with the mm-hmm. excitement and just like ride that wave of the yep. excitement of creativity. And yes. um, <laughs> sometimes I think as creatives to, to be general, not all of us, but we have to kind of like put on that business hat of like, Hey, yeah. like even if this situation seems amazing, mm-hmm. let's like just, ask a couple let's do like a little bit of due diligence it's kind of like when you're first dating someone you like have your friends meet them you're like eh. you know mm-hmm. it's like you just have to kind of see it from a, a few different angles yeah um and, and you put your location share on you put your location share <laughs> and they have their social media handles actually this is one of the things that i like so appreciated about your friendship when we first started mm-hmm. becoming friends um i told you where i was going and you were like oh can you share your location with me and i was like yeah. <laughs> I like I felt so loved because yeah. no one's ever asked me to yeah. do that and um I think that's really amazing and I think that that's like a metaphor for a lot of different things we can do to mm-hmm. look out for each other and create boundaries and safety. Yep. Together. Mm-hmm. And Kim has Kim has even more great tangible examples of um what it is to look yeah. out for one another that I love. Absolutely. And I'm going to introduce yes. our our guest today. So Kim Warnick, I have her bio right here off of this She Rocks Awards website Love because it. Kim was just is is an honoree for a She Rocks award which in the music circles is very cool. Um it's very cool in every circle but of course. you know especially music. <laughs> Kim Warnick is the executive director of Calling All Crows, a musician-founded nonprofit that channels the power of live music toward change for women and girls by engaging music fans in activism and service with musicians and community organizations. They launched the Here for the Music campaign in 2017 to prevent sexual violence at concerts and festivals and have since worked with over 75 festivals, venues, and bands to build true safety into our industry. Kim is incredible. She's a dear friend of mine that I met on the dispatch tour. And here we go. so excited about this interview um we've been friends for about two years now yeah, a little I think over right. two years i have lots of questions for kim but before we get there i would love kim if you could introduce yourself in your own words and tell us a little bit about yourself um and what the work you do with colonel crows and also just about you who you are thanks yeah so my name's kim i use she and her pronouns and i'm out here in long beach uh, with Ray and Erica, what a delight! Uh, I'm from New Hampshire originally, and made the the westward migration earlier this year. So, um, my background is in sexual violence prevention and response, as well as in community organizing. And I've worked in nonprofits and for profits and startups, and done a lot around workplace culture. And uh, Calling All Crows, uh, which I lead now, is a nonprofit in the music industry, as Ray said. Uh, but what we do is 
is build campaigns that really bring musicians and their fans together to work on issues affecting their communities. Mm. And so we're sort of like an on-ramp to activism for a lot of folks of, you Mm. know, they care about an issue but don't know quite how to plug in or maybe they've heard about something a little bit but haven't really dug into it. And Mm. there's a different openness that comes when you meet someone at a concert or at a festival Mm. where people you know, are tuning in in a different way. And it's very different than being like canvassed on a street corner where no one wants to talk to those people. Canvassers, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, But at a concert, people will slow down and talk to you and have a really different kind of conversation Mm -hmm. than you can have in a lot of spaces. So we we take that and we channel it to community organizations who are already doing amazing work, Mm -hmm. but put them in front of a different audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we're here to talk about today is one of our campaigns, which is called Here for the Music. Mm -hmm. And it's really specifically focused on sexual violence prevention Mm -hmm. in the music industry. So a lot of our work is not about the music industry. Mm -hmm. We're just saying like, hey, there's energy here. Let's channel it to community change. Mm -hmm. And with this campaign, which we launched in 2017, we're looking inward to the music industry and thinking about how do we solve a problem right here at home. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I think what I really appreciate about your work and about kind of the the way that you conduct, uh, you know, that Colonel Crows conducts your work is about how a lot of it is centered around vulnerability. You know, mm-hmm. people show up at music venues and music festivals and concerts very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like music is a vulnerable thing in general, yeah. which is what makes, I think, that's like a wonderful thing. It's like a, a place where we can reach each other and, and ignite the activists within each other mm-hmm. um, and open ourselves up. But also vulnerability comes with a huge responsibility, yeah. which is what we'll talk about with the Here for the Music campaign. And so um, I am really excited about talking about this because I feel like sexual violence is something that is very often not talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, people get very uncomfortable talking about it. They feel like it's so like it's such a thing they don't want to talk about. So Mm -hmm. let's just ignore it. And that has caused so much harm within the music industry, Mm -hmm. so much harm in every (laughs) part of society. And so um, can you just tell us a bit about your work within sexual violence within the music industry and explain to us what the Here for the Music campaign is? Yeah, definitely. And you're you're right. It's a it's a topic full of shame and the Me Too movement and and years and years of activism has mm-hmm. has changed that a little bit, but it's still a really like hushed conversation yeah. and it's it's hard, you know, it sexual violence affects one in four women, one in two trans people and one wow. in six men directly. It's <sighs> wild. And so this thing that is impacting many of us directly and then mm-hmm. because of that all of us at yeah. least secondarily. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's a, such a wild thing that we keep in the shadows. And oh. so in the music industry specifically. So we launched this campaign um, in part because we, as an organization, sort of faced an incident of sexual violence. It was mm-hmm. in our volunteer and fan community. Right. And we looked around for resources of someone mm-hmm. who sort of knows the intersection of sexual violence and the music industry. And we're trying to say, you know, this was done in our space. We mm-hmm. want to repair that harm, but also we want to look ahead and think about how do we prevent that from happening in mm-hmm. the future And there just wasn't much energy there. You know, we Mm. talked to a couple people who had um, this going on. So our music, my body in Chicago at the time was really only focused on Chicago. So they were doing Mm. great work, but in Chicago, right um, there, you know, there was Shauna Potter, you know, was doing Mm -hmm. some great work, but she was one person doing these workshops while also being a full-time touring musician. So there were these little sparks that were really powerful and exciting um, and important, Mm. but it wasn't Mm industry-wide. And so we, um, realized sort of we're like well we we do actually have these Mm. things we have expertise in-house we know the music industry we know how to do activism Mm. within it you know let let's go Mm -hmm. and so that's where it came from and the focus is really on prevention I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people look to us more on these sort of almost like we're crisis PR Mm. or like oh something bad happened how do we like spin it and that's Uh absolutely not what we do we are not a crisis PR firm um (laughs) and and what we're really trying to do is talk to people who want to see their like their venues their tours their concerts their Mm. festivals be truly safe Mm. for all of the people who Mm. are there and um and really understand like you were saying, like mm. these are vulnerable spaces. You have people who are opening up and who see music as an escape. Mm-hmm. And we've created these like super dangerous environments to wow. escape into. Ooh. And so how do we like create that utopia that we yeah. want a festival to be that it yeah. absolutely is not? Right. How do we make that a reality? Totally. Because a lot of people, when we think about utopias, it's like, 
oh like we're all happy listening to great music and everything's hunky dory and Mm -hmm. that doesn't take any effort let's just it's just all great but no to create a safe space takes actual intention and actual effort and actual Mm -hmm. expertise Mm -hmm. and actual like (laughs) actual things you need to do things yeah you know actual policies mm -hmm. and and um that takes you know everyone that Mm -hmm. takes the fans the bands the venues and um with that with that, can you talk to us about this pledge you yeah. have with the Here for Music? Yeah. So, yeah. So you're right. It does take everyone. And we think about that with how we design our programming. So mm-hmm. we have ways for fans to plug in, for ba- for bands, for venues, for promoters, for yeah. industry professionals who are behind the scenes. Um, and so this pledge that we have is really um, a step. Part of why we have a pledge right now is because mm-hmm. live music doesn't look like it does right yeah. now. So you were sort of trying to say, get a commitment now for when you can go back to live music yeah. as it is. Because yeah. this is a moment where we're not seeing sexual violence in live music because we're not seeing no live music. music. Yeah. Um, but uh, what we're trying to do is get people while they're in this planning and prepping mm-hmm. for, for shows to come back to think about this moment as a time where you can plan for how things will be different when we totally. when we come back. So this mm-hmm. pledge is about signing on um, from whichever role you play in the mm-hmm. music industry. So as an artist, you're thinking about how am I going to commit to making my tours safer? Mm-hmm. So having codes of contact mm-hmm. that you actually discuss with your crew and mm-hmm. talk about what's acceptable behavior on your tour and not, right? Mm-hmm. Like artists are employers and they don't always think about themselves that way and the power totally. that comes with that. Um, as a venue, what are the policies that you're creating? How are you mm. posting them? Where are you posting them? Mm. Are you training your staff? Mm. You would be alarmed at how few people are trained who wear security shirts. And that's mm. not the security guard's fault that mm-hmm. they're not trained. Mm. But the reality is that so many people who are quote unquote security or safety mm. teams are trained on how to like take someone out of the air and put them on the ground safely. Mm. How to read a laminate to see whether or not someone can go backstage or Mm -hmm. not they're not trained on Mm -hmm. how to be you know intervening in Mm -hmm. violence they're not trained in how to have a trauma you know informed response to Mm -hmm. someone reporting harm and so those pieces are what we're trying to push venues and festivals to take way more seriously is to Mm -hmm. say you have people's safety in your hands yeah you're labeling these things as security and as Mm -hmm. safety you invest so much into safety Mm -hmm. if you think about the last time you went to a concert i know it's been a minute Mm -hmm. think about all the things you had to go through you had your bag searched Mm -hmm. you like maybe you know you had to go through a metal detector Mm -hmm. you had your id checked you went through so it's like going to the airport Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but we don't have a trained person on how to Mm -hmm. respond to sexual harassment yeah wow Um, so this pledge is signing on to use the resources we have available. Yeah. So you're not in it alone. We're providing right. a lot of resources. We have um, a training, like an online version of a mm-hmm. training coming out that venues, festivals, bands will be able mm-hmm. to take and use at scale in a, mm-hmm. in a way that's not available right now. We have policy guidelines and samples that people can mm-hmm. use. So we're really doing a lot of work to put these tools out. And so mm-hmm. what we're asking um, industry professionals is to sign on to this pledge to say mm-hmm. we're going to join in this movement and, and step up our safety game. That's incredible. I signed the pledge. You did. And if is it public? Like, Can people it listening, is. if you're an artist or a venue, can they find it? They can. So you mm-hmm. can go to colonialcrows.org mm-hmm. um, backslash here for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pledge is right on that landing page. Yeah. Um, or Google here for the music and it should come cool. up for you too. That's amazing. And I also want to talk to you about your bystander trainings yeah. and um i also love if you could just explain what a bystander is mm-hmm. um especially in a sexual violence context and what the responsibility of a bystander is yeah definitely so so a bystander is someone it's right in the word someone who's standing by so, uh, <laughs> so someone who's not involved in the situation yeah. and and we um th- this is not like a colonel Crow specific thing this is um pretty like sort of true throughout sexual mm-hmm. violence prevention is that really um, zeroing in on the people around the incident is mm-hmm. where we have the most success at actually preventing violence. So okay. trying to change perpetrator behavior mm-hmm. directly, harder. Mm-hmm. We're not very good at it. We mm-hmm. ha- don't have a lot of research into how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like victim def- self-defense, blah, blah, blah. It's mm-hmm. like not a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Self-defense programs can be really great from an empowerment perspective. Mm-hmm. Some people feel really great, like feeling strong yeah. in their bodies. 
but it's not an actual tool to like prevent violence. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we have found to be effective is talking about bystanders and and really focusing in on the environments we create. So bystanders are witnesses to events and can change how a scenario goes, Mm. um, much more so than the person who's experiencing that harm. So Mm. if you think about, and you know, you don't have to go back to a time of like, deep harm but if sometimes like maybe you're crossing the street and a car starts coming up mm-hmm. at you you freeze up yeah you really have a biological response um you know this like yeah fight 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 fight, fight yeah. flight freeze or fawn yeah um and and that is a real like body response that is is happening for folks and a bystander is not having the same response yeah and so they have a little bit more like wherewithal to jump in and wow. disrupt um, yeah. potential harm so that's yeah. where their responsibility is that we want to be in community with people we want to be at safe shows yeah we're responsible for creating that and yeah. for holding each other accountable to that mm-hmm. because there's way more you know fans in the crowd for example than mm-hmm. there are security guards or if you're mm-hmm. backstage you know there's there's more uh, crew members than there are security, you know, Mm -hmm. like taking that responsibility on as not your literal official job to Mm -hmm. be security, but as just a community member to care about safety beyond your own is Mm -hmm. really important. Yeah. And how we actually prevent harm. And so the training helps people to be able to identify what potentially harmful behavior mm. looks like. Uh-huh. Because it's not obvious. Like, yeah, yeah, to catch it early to before it, it escalates. Because we know, yeah. like, what sexual assault looks like, but it's usually not happening in front of your face. Yeah, like, can, yeah. can yeah. you give us a couple a little, little examples tip? of what it could look like? And uh, Yeah, something sure. that someone could catch. Yeah, so what we try to, uh, what we sort of give is, like, this framework of your instincts the context you're in, the mm-hmm. actual behavior being done, and mm-hmm. then the relationship of the people involved. So you okay. have a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, but what you want to really like focus in on is the behavior. So first okay. of all, like a lot of us have good instincts. We don't yeah. want to go on instincts alone because instincts also have bias like yeah. riddled within them. Mm-hmm. But they do cue us into a lot. And so mm-hmm. if you feel like something's off, don't ignore it. But also don't like jump to action. Yeah, so like yeah. the instinct <laughs> cues you in, and then you're like, okay, something just feels off. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna pay closer mm-hmm. attention. And then you want to look at the actual behavior being done. Like, Mm -hmm. is someone, um, like, really close in on someone's personal space? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they starting to, like, touch, like, you know, do, like, an elbow touch or a Mm -hmm. lower back touch? Or um, are they, the words they're saying starting to feel more aggressive in some Mm -hmm. way? Like, what is the behavior that is actually occurring? Okay. Um, And then the main thing you want to be paying attention to is the person who's experiencing that behavior Mm -hmm. so is their body language closed off are Mm -hmm. they reciprocating it are they looking around Mm -hmm. like hoping someone will catch their eye um and that's that's so much of what we want to focus in on is whoever's experiencing that behavior Mm -hmm. is who's setting the tone Mm -hmm. and if there's some sort of cue that seems like oh they're not reciprocating this it's worth going over Mm -hmm. and in you know one of the things we like to talk about with intervention is it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be a confrontation. Some people are non-confrontational. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it will be a confrontation, but oftentimes it's as easy as just being present, Mm -hmm. you know, like just creating a distraction. And many of us do this naturally, Mm -hmm. but when you understand that it's a tool for intervention, you can start doing it more often. So thinking like, if you see something that just seems off, you're not sure why you don't know what's going on, but you're just like, it just seems you know, I don't know. Yeah. Go over and ask someone to take your photo. Wow. That's it. Just be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Would you mind taking this photo for me? Yeah. If that was non-mutual, if that was something going on, that person just like gets to leave. Could leave. Wow. And, you know, I think if nothing was going on, if they were flirting, they were they are going to go back to flirting after like, they take your picture. <laughs> like you're not going to be like, don't worry about being and a you'll cop. You'll get a block. great picture out of it. <laughs> you get a photo. They get to, you know, they get to like confirm that they actually want to be in that situation. Yeah. But these like smaller ways of just like disrupting. If you think something is off, yeah. they'll keep flirting right around you. Cause if that's sometimes what you is. just need that one little like breath break mm-hmm. of this person who's come up to you. You're like, 
Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Are you have any other examples other than the photo? Yeah. So um, that one I really like because it actually pulls someone physically away, yeah, which is yeah, a really yeah. nice one. I think asking where the bathroom is is a pretty easy one. And cool. it's like you don't have to remember very much. Yeah. Like you can always ask where the bathroom is. You're like, where's the bathroom? Do you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Do you know where the bathroom is? Um, uh, If you're actually at a concert asking yeah. if they know anything about the opener or like yeah. anything like that. Um. I have done sometimes if you are feeling a little bit spicier Mm -hmm. um you can do slightly more like pointed distraction Mm -hmm. uh so you know you can go over um and be like you know something like your shoes untied like something that's like very obviously like this person does not want to do that and like if you're you know sometimes that like can give a signal how do you feel about the classic like is this guy bothering you thing or this person or I th- yeah so i don't like to put the person who's experiencing the behavior on the spot uh, um, especially in front of whoever's doing it because if mm-hmm. you think about it if someone is actually bothering you mm-hmm. and then you're asked in front of them if they're bothering you and you're you feeling feel a little unsafe. nervous yeah. you might feel like oh no it's fine it's fine and you want to smooth it over wow there's this instinct Absolutely. to smooth everything totally. over because if you think about again anytime you've been in an uncomfortable situation yeah. even if it's like in class and the teacher calls on you and you just mm-hmm. like want to disappear yeah that's usually what people are feeling like mm-hmm. they just want it to go, to go away, away. Wow, that's really that's really good to know because I think that's our initial instinct mm-hmm. is the classic like, "Hey, are you okay?" Is mm-hmm. this and then and then you freeze and you're like, Ugh. "Do I look like I'm not okay? <laughs> um, maybe I, I, I'm doing something wrong, or maybe yeah. I need to like blah blah." blah. And so that's really really powerful. Um, so, you know, in the context of bands and fans and music venues, is there anything specific that you think that? one bands could be doing better and two that fans could be doing better because i know a lot of our listeners are musicians but i think even more than that we have music fans yeah. listening because i think i would hope like almost almost all of us are music fans you yeah. know so yeah definitely so musicians and bands definitely like go sign on to our pledge and that will like help yeah. really concretely with giving you some resources and like more concrete frameworks that you can be bringing in mm-hmm. um and and really thinking about your role as an employer in that way yeah and, and a, a creator of that space but the other things is that musicians are creators uh yeah. there are people who are creating culture and who are creating mm-hmm. gathering people like yeah. you are responsible for the people you've gathered for your show right um and so one is like taking that responsibility to heart mm. um and thinking about ways that you can create some messaging from stage and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a psa right i mean i think this is the part where like using this and your creative skill in a meaningful way is important that mm. um some some musicians are survivors and mm. feel called to share that from stage yeah. and feel called to say, you know, like I want survivors to have a space in this room and mm. like I am one and you like your voice matters and you're yeah. welcome here. And sometimes just creating space for that in the room. Mm. I don't think you ever have to out yourself as a survivor, but right. some people feel very called to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you're not or you don't want to say that you are just there's sometimes power and just naming, you mm-hmm. know, like we know that there are sexual violence survivors in this room and we see you and we're so glad you're here. Mm, um, it powerful. is powerful and it does. Can you imagine being someone who is about to like grope someone and then hearing that? Yeah. Like it like, really oh, does change the tone of what's acceptable, yeah. you know? And I think I use the phrase, like we try to create environments that are hostile to violence. Um, Ooh, I like yeah. that. Yeah. And so by like, introducing like love for people who have been harmed by violence you're creating hostility to violence yeah um and so any automatically change the energy in the room yeah of being like hey we like we're centering the people who have been harmed who don't always feel like they have a voice don't always feel like Mm -hmm. they have a space which is why so many people are drawn to music is because they don't feel like they have a space and by naming that Mm -hmm. you're helping to take some power away from people who might want to take advantage of that because at the end of the day, sexual violence is about power. Mm-hmm. And so when you give power back to people who are marginalized mm-hmm. in that space, yeah, you make it harder um, totally. to, to do violence to people. So that from the musician side and then from the fan side, um, I really think that like feeling a responsibility to your fellow fans is so huge of just mm-hmm. mind other people's business a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend uh, Sarah Bullier, she's like, <laughs> and uh, she's a sexual violence um, yeah. pro- professional as well. And she talks about, you know, like mind other people's business Mm. like we've gotten so used to like keeping our head down and being like non-confrontational and Mm -hmm. trying to not connect and it's it's really about saying you know 
you're the most likely person to witness sexual violence um Mm -hmm. in a show is you know fellow fans and Mm -hmm. um and so if you see something that's off insert yourself yeah don't start a fight don't make it a big deal Mm -hmm. just you know like i said before just being there and disrupting behavior is oftentimes enough mm-hmm. um, and checking in on someone. I think this mm-hmm. is the other piece that's really powerful. Um, you know, in the moment, you can't necessarily like check in on someone. Mm-hmm. But if you see something that was a little off going and being like, are you OK? Mm-hmm. That seemed really off is really powerful. Um, so in these yeah. trainings that we do, one of the questions we often ask is, you know, how many people have seen someone be catcalled? Mm-hmm. And then we ask how many people have gone and checked in on the person that was catcalled. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like 100 percent of people have witnessed it zero percent have checked in on Mm -hmm, someone mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you don't have to know someone to check in on them Mm -hmm. you can and you don't have to be a counselor or make it a big deal Mm -hmm. you can just be a human and say like that seemed really crappy are you okay yeah wow yeah that is very powerful and yeah this is just like a perspective a lot of us are just i feel like we've all been operating the same way for so long and we have all these things that we think work but that don't mm-hmm. and that we've all been taught to mind your own business mind mm-hmm. your business like that's not your problem that's not your business like they don't leave, blah, 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 like, leave them alone mm-hmm. but actually in these situations like minding someone else's business could go a very long way mm-hmm. um so wow that's amazing and i will say like too like as fans like w- as the band like we we like you know artists like have a huge responsibility of the way we treat our fans but also like i think fans like always remember that like the artists and the band mm-hmm. are like real people and you know i've been like harassed by people um and then sometimes like don't really know like i'm like wait did that just happen yeah. um and so i will say too like we all need to be like mutually working together mm-hmm. and always remembering that you know even the fa- the bands you look up to like you know there are always situations in which fans have like done some cross lines with artists. Absolutely. So, yeah. And you know, thanks for sharing that and naming that and it and it sucks that you've experienced it mm-hmm. and you're not alone. And yeah. I think that's the reality is, you know, we often when we think about sexual violence in the music industry, people think about like musicians harming fans is mm-hmm. actually the first thing that a lot of people mm-hmm. come to mind and like all cancel culture is about celebrities yeah um sort of perpetrating harm on on fans but it, it definitely goes both ways and mm-hmm. it also is a lot of the folks who are behind the scenes who work in the industry um you know the the anecdotes we hear the most are from people who work in the industry mm-hmm. and who are actually experiencing that harm more so than other than patrons themselves right um and yeah. and that's a big thing to recognize is yeah it's everyone it goes always i mean I think that the place that I've dealt with it worst in my career has been with um, industry people Mm -hmm. um, to speak very candidly. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been in situations alone with people who I thought like, I think I've talked about this on the pod before, but where they were like, oh, um, let's have a meeting Mm -hmm. at two o'clock at a coffee shop outdoors. I'm like, great. This is professional, whatever oh, actually, can you meet me at the, the hotel lobby bar mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock later? Sorry, my thing got pushed. And then next thing you know, there's like people are, you know, putting their hand on your leg and you mm-hmm. have to get out of there, yeah. you know? And I wish that has not happened to me more than once. And I wish that that had never happened to many, many, yeah. many, many of my friends in the music industry. And this like normalization mm-hmm. of sexually violent behavior. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I've left those situations just like being like shake it off mm-hmm. and be like well that didn't go well womp yeah you know it is it's so wild how much we've put up for with for so long yeah. i mean the number of people who say like oh i didn't realize i could i could just not have that happen exactly right? exactly <laughs> see that that's that's the thing it's mm-hmm. like in my my head it has always been like how do i deal with it when it happens mm-hmm. it's never been how do we make it not happen yep and I've always felt like, oh, I'm a female in the music industry. Mm-hmm. This is what I signed up for. People would literally yeah. say that to me. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, if you don't want to like deal with people sexually harassing you, then why did you get into the music industry? Yeah. And I'm like, like I hate you. Go my, home. It's, like, it's, our, it's our fault. <laughs> it it's, it's, it's It's really, it's tough. And so I yeah. just really applaud Call for, calling out crows and the here for the music campaign for like taking it upon yourselves mm-hmm. to do this work because 
it's we have a long way to go and yeah. and they're you know you're paving the way for like more and more of us to be doing this work because I, like you said earlier like i mean personally as a musician i hardly even thought of myself as an employer mm -hmm. because you know when you're just like a scrappy musician yeah. opening for bands you're like how i'm an employer like yeah. what but you are of course see, i'm paying my crew and mm -hmm. i want to make sure that my crew feels safe yeah um and that we have a policy in place and that if anything happens what are we going to do about it let's mm -hmm. talk about it before it happens yeah rather than when we're in crisis mode totally um because i would love 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 to create a culture within my crew and and my fans and my music that is the opposite of the experiences I've had mm -hmm. where I have felt just so small and so like just that, that feeling that it's just inevitable and yeah. going to keep happening because that's the culture that we live in. Mm -hmm. And so it's really wonderful to let's shift this culture to have a hostility towards violence mm -hmm. instead of the other way around. Yeah. And so anyway, I just have a couple like, very short questions for you to end off. Um, how does your work with Colonel Crows and here for the music relate to a broader, broader societal shift outside the music industry? And like, what do you hope to see? Yeah. Broadly. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it was weird for us to like, um, to focus on the music industry because we don't normally, but what mm -hmm. we, we thought about was sexual violence is a disaster of a problem everywhere. Yeah where can we have the most impact? And mm. the reality was like, we know the industry, this music industry, the best, we have the connections. Yeah. It's not being done here. Let's, let's find our home here and really yeah. do work here. But we're in conversation with organizers and organizations who are doing this work in other spaces as yeah. well. So I think some of it is staying connected and understanding yeah. that, you know, what we're learning about what works in a music industry workplace is also useful in a, you know, entertainment mm -hmm. workplace and, and really trying to share and, and, um, coalition build around, mm -hmm. you know, being in conversation with other organizers while also sort of trying to focus on what we can do the best. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I, I really do going back to this idea of music and, and festivals as an escape, mm -hmm. um, that if we can help people experience true safety mm -hmm. as like the bare minimum, by the yeah. way, like we're like striving for the bare minimum of like yeah. safety as a minimum, but if we can help people to experience what it feels like to be somewhere where they're actually safe, where they can connect with people and like not worry about yeah. being drunk or being silly or wearing whatever they want or doing mm -hmm. whatever and like really truly feel what it means to be safe mm -hmm. and free and connected in one place, they've learned what that feels like and they can go find it somewhere else. And wow. I think that like if you've never experienced that, and so many people in our world have never experienced true safety, mm -hmm. whether it's in the spaces that they're operating, the relationships that they're in, mm -hmm. their own body, when you feel it for the first time, mm -hmm. you then know how to hold yourself to that standard in mm -hmm. the future and keep fighting for that feeling because it's so good. Let's make uh, that feeling like, the we normal. We want that feeling to yeah. be everywhere. And so that's some of what we try to do is think about people are really searching for that feeling in music. Let's make sure they get it mm -hmm. and know how to fight for it um when they're in places. much harder places like their yeah. work wow that's that's so powerful um and i want to ask you too because we're on the create well podcast yeah. you know and i think that creativity is incredibly healing mm -hmm. no matter what you've gone through i mean it's it's been like my way of healing my whole life and so i want to ask like kim like outside of all of your work is there any kind of creativity or practice that for you, I mean, you're, you're surrounded by so much, I mean, the work you do is incredibly, um, I mean, triggering and, mm -hmm. and, and difficult and you're, you're dealing with very heavy things mm -hmm. every day. And so like, what do you do to take care of yourself? Um, whether that's a creative practice or, or something else. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you stay centered? and especially in a creative center with all the work that you do. Yeah. So I think, so for me, my creativity comes through activism actually. And so cool. like activism is a profoundly creative world where we're, wow. you know, we're I love that. trying to imagine a different world and oh, um, wow. like how creative is that to think about? And even just what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. right. Of this idea of like 
imagining a music industry without sexual violence yeah. is like my creative practice because well, it does not exist right it now. It takes a lot of imagination. <laughs> it takes some imagination. Yeah. And so I think some of that is like the hope in imagining better mm. and imagining what we deserve is like is a lot of what keeps me going is that hope yeah. and that creativity in that. Um, but I think the other parts outside of that uh, for me are really acknowledging that it's traumatic work yeah. and heavy work and um, limiting it. You know, mm. I am someone who takes boundaries. work-life balance profoundly seriously, <laughs> who like loves boundaries and I work hard, but I don't work 80 hour mm -hmm. weeks. You know, I think yeah. it's important to, to find that balance and to, you know burnout is real and like mm -hmm. that is an important thing to guard against but the framing that really like curbs my overworking is um not letting my ego get the best of me mm. that like I don't need to work 80 hour weeks to yeah. do this like other people can if I invite other people into this movement they will come and yeah. like I have to create space for other people to be in this movement with me and some of that mm. is not working 80 hours you know mm. and it's holding my own you know health and wellness in high regard but also mm -hmm. creating space for other people to be in this with me um, wow. and not that's powerful doing that yeah and so so that's what it looks like for me and and just I'm an extrovert so friendships yes. are like my biggest source of wellness of just yeah. like silliness and like hanging out and yeah. just connecting with people letting yourself be silly I think like when you deal with heavy things mm -hmm. like you need to have like your silly like you know the more heavy the more silly you know you yeah. know, like <laughs> You got to make sure you're balanced. <laughs> it's true. I know my entire Thanksgiving, like, I think I spent three hours on, like, Photoshop editing. Oh, yeah. I saw the pictures. Pictures of my family in, like, ridiculous <laughs> ways. And it was just sort of, like, it was just silly. I, like, didn't. I, I have that. no Photoshop skills. It was not, like, Those beautiful. were amazing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. They were. But I'm going to hire you for my <laughs> Photoshop <laughs> But, it, you know, it was just that fun of being, like, okay, I can't be with family, but I can, like, have some silliness around, like, imagining yeah. what it would be like if my siblings and I were in a pumpkin patch uh i whatever love that i love that so much and um i love how you've talked about like put your ego aside and just put, put your ego down and your pen down yeah. and rest you know yeah. it's like that's so important and i think everyone listening needs to hear that because creatives especially love to work themselves to the ground mm -hmm. activists love mm -hmm. to work themselves <laughs> to the ground community organizers nonprofit executive directors and you know our work is important but also like our bodies are important mm -hmm. and our wellness is important which is why we're here on the pod like talking about that balance and yeah. you do a great job with having boundaries and like you know the work day is over let it end yeah. and just because your work day is over doesn't mean that your work isn't over yeah. you know like your work will continue throughout the rest of our lifetimes because um, this is incredibly important work that we've got a long way to go on um, and so the la I have two two last questions, but All the right. second to last question is, um, do you have any change makers or community organizers that you want to shout out who are doing some really great work? Yes, uh, I'm reading Alicia Garza's new mm -hmm. book, um, which everyone should read, and she's just so so powerful. She does not need my shout out. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she's she's doing just fine on her own. But <laughs> she's really great, and uh, and I think you know, in terms of some more like sort of localized leaders, um, I've been. I actually want to shout out my team at Colonial Crows. So yeah. um, Tiffany Adams and Lena Charity Shapira and Wendy Federal are all just like the the people who are making so much change happen, mm. and there are just so many people doing like so much work to make the world better mm. um, that we we often you know don't don't hear about or think about mm. so i'm really grateful for our for my team at calling on crows who makes it all happen yay amazing amazing um and then our last question for you is that we end all of our interviews with is what does it mean to you to create well to create well uh i think about it as i don't know i'm such a community driven person so i think mm -hmm. about creating well as being able to sort of like create for your people in your community in mm -hmm. a way that like builds wellness for yourself and others like that there's yeah. healing f for you and for community in mm -hmm. your creation i love that we love community here on the pod um one thing that is difficult right now you know as we can't gather um in person mm -hmm. but um i love your work and how much it really is about making community safer mm -hmm. because music is so sacred and it's such a vulnerable mm -hmm. important piece of 
life and creativity and gathering and community. And so if we can just really make it a safer place, mm -hmm. that's only going to like just make community an even more wonderful thing, you know? And so thanks for being on the pod. This was uh, so wonderful. Thanks for having me. This was such a nice way to uh, have just like a nice addition into my, my day. That was yes. you just you like I don't know I was all over the place and this was a, a nice grounded moment yeah <laughs> like not just jumping from call to call so I thanks know. for this oh my god and now for the create well challenge of the week this week the create well challenge is to set an intention for what you will do if you see somebody who may seemingly be in an unsafe situation um or uncomfortable or maybe being harassed I know I need to do this for myself. Kim reminded me of that because sometimes in the moment, it's really difficult to mm -hmm. come up with your strategy or mm -hmm. your plan. So spend some time this week so that you can be prepared with a game plan. Thank you for journeying with us in creating well. If you're interested in supporting us, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash create well. Our Patreon followers will have exclusive access to monthly live Q&As, extra photo content, and giveaways. Thank you to our first patron executive producer, Susan Anderson Nelson. And this week's featured song is Down and Out by Future Generations. <laughs> <laughs>